Attention all. Do you have a passion you want to showcase or have a drive to inspire the community? Apply for the Centennial Campus Community Programming Grant today at go.ncsu.edu slash cccpgrant for a chance to earn $2,000. The views and opinions expressed during Eye on the Triangle do not represent WKNC or NC State student media. Good evening, Raleigh. Your dial is currently tuned to Eye on the Triangle on WKNC's 88.1 FM HD1. On today's episode, we are going to have two stories that we are going to hear about. The first one is going to be weekly news with Abigail and Avery, and the second one is going to be an interview by one of our content creators, Grace. Enjoy today's episode. Hello guys, this is Eye on the Triangle with Abigail and Avery. I am Abigail Ali. I am the assistant news editor for The Technician and I'm here with Avery and I'm the news editor at Technician. And today we are going to be talking about some news that is happening around the Triangle in Raleigh, in North Carolina, and specifically at NC State. Yeah, so how this is going to work is me and Avery take turns giving what we call tidbits and we share our stories and react to them. And yeah, so we're going to get started. For my first tidbit, I am going to be talking about fish market. And that sounds kind of gross and kind of slimy, but it's actually not. This past weekend, I went to First Friday, an event held by every first Friday of each month where art galleries and studios stay open late so people can make a night out of going around and visiting many locations downtown Raleigh. While writing this, I realized First Friday could have been a feature on its own, but unfortunately, this past First Friday, I only made it to Fish Market, so we'll have to talk about that on another time. Um, so for First Friday, my friends and I visited, visited Fish Market, a gallery that is owned by NC State's School of Design. It has been around since 2003 and showcases design students' work each time. Um, it is in a really weird location off of Fayetteville Street downtown. It's like in the basement of a building it looks very ominous when you're entering but i promise it's so worth it the first time i went though i was like oh my god i feel like my friends are taking me here to get murdered but (laughs) they weren't (laughs) thank god um so i've been to fish market a couple of times including a halloween themed gallery kind of setup kind of like a museum where the students work was just hang up hung up and displayed like a museum kind of And then this past one was more like market booths, like you would see at a pop-up market. And students were selling their work at their little booths, and it was a great time. Um, The venue is so interesting, and it is so so fun to get a peek at the design students' work, because as someone who is not in design, you don't always get to see what they're up to. I mean, sometimes you'll see around campus, like, different projects they're working on, but Seeing individual people's art is always really super exciting, and it's fun to support them. So I highly recommend checking out Fish Market and follow them on Instagram at Fish Market in CSU to see the next time they will be open. 
Yeah, I've heard about Fish Market, but I've never been. And good thing is, I I think it happens multiple times a year, so it's not like people have missed out. They can definitely stay up to date on it. Um, I know Technician actually has a video on its YouTube channel about a fish market gallery from a few months ago. So if you're interested in seeing what it looks like and what the general vibe is, then you could definitely check that out. But yeah, it's always good to go support local artists, especially NC State design students. So pretty cool. Yeah, go pack. (laughs) Okay, so I will go ahead with my tidbit, and my first one is actually NC State-related as well. So for this, I'm going to talk about specifically NC State's Student Senate. So I know most people might not give much thought to student government, and I feel you, um, but that's because I think not a lot of people realize how much student government actually does. And the Student Senate meets every other week and passes legislation that directly affects NC State. So it's important to know kind of what they're doing at their meetings, what kind of legislation they're passing, because it is stuff that directly affects the university and students. So I'm just going to talk about a few of the things that were recently passed on the March 2nd meeting, and it can kind of give you the idea of what kind of stuff they do and propose and pass. So the first thing was a um, it was a bill that was passed called the Safety Escort Service, and it was created to endorse reinstating the driving element of the university's safety escort service, which I didn't realize they no ha- no longer had going, but they had that before the COVID nineteen pandemic. Um, and it's basically where if you were on campus after a certain hour, I believe you and you felt unsafe, then someone could come pick you up. I think it was someone from the university police and take you wherever you wanted to go. And so I didn't know that was no longer up and running, but they passed something endorsing getting that back up and going again. And then another protocol they passed is called the death announcement protocol. And it was created to um, outline postvention protocol after the death of a student TA or professor. So it recommends that after a class death, a representative from the college and from the counseling center delivers the news and offers mental health resources to students. So there's currently a similar plan in place for student deaths, but this act specifically recommended that a plan that this plan includes faculty deaths. And so I think that's really interesting because Sounds like they have something that they do specifically when a student in your class dies and they can kind of help you figure out, you know, I I know I had a student in one of my classes last year who passed away and they had a someone from the counseling center come in and talk about it. But I don't know what they do when a professor dies and that has to be, you know, equally as, you know, hard. So that's really interesting. Um, But, yeah, those are some of the things that the Senate does and some of the stuff that they're thinking about. They also allocate funds to different clubs on campus. So, for example, they recently passed a resolution saying that, you know, the cricket club could have $5,000 towards their equipment and travel and stuff like that. And so student government has an influence at NC State, so it's good to keep updated with what they're doing. 
and it's important to vote for the student government officials when they run. So yeah, elections are coming up soon, I believe. So keep your eyes out for that and, you know, see what's going on. Yeah, if there's one thing I've learned this past year just from working at the technician, it's uh, staying up to date with like student senate, faculty senate, and like the chancellor liaisons meetings. You learn a lot from those and you really see how much those different groups can affect life on campus and what decisions are being made across campus. So yeah, those are really interesting to hear about because yeah, they do a lot. (laughs) Yeah, and all of the meeting notes for Student Senate and Faculty Senate are always posted online. So you can always find everything very transparently and see what they've been up to. Cool. For my next tidbit, I will be talking about Oak City Meatballs. So another place me and my friends went to this weekend was Oak City Meatballs, and it is exactly what you think it is. It's a restaurant that serves all kinds of meatballs in a variety of ways, including spaghetti alone, ass sliders, in a hoagie, etc., with sides on or under your balls. The waitstaff is absolutely amazing. They have a huge list of drinks. And as you would have guessed, the word balls is used so much in the menu, you cannot help but cackle like an adolescent child. It is the funniest place to go to, and the food was so good. 10 out of 10 would recommend. That is really funny. Um, Unfortunately, I don't eat meat. That's the best part. They have Beyond... (gasps) And veggie balls. Wow. Okay, that's so exciting. Um, That sounds like something I'm going to have to check out because it sounds like it's a funny place as well as a yummy place. Yeah. So according to the News and Observer, um, hundreds of people gathered on the state capitol grounds on March 5th to protest Russia's invasion of Ukraine. I don't know if protest is the right word because it's not like they're protesting against us or against the government. It's more of like a demonstration and a calling to action. Um, So many of the demonstrators wore blue and gold, Ukraine's national colors, and organizers of the protest asked that people contact their, you know, representatives and ask that the U.S. send Ukraine more weapons, enact a no-fly zone over Ukraine, and stop buying fossil fuels from Russia. So I know some of these things are a little controversial, but this is what this specific group of people are wanting to happen um, in order to help Ukraine. I believe it was put on by many Ukrainians who are living in the area and who have family there and are obviously very worried about their country right now for good reason. But... It's just important to stay updated with what's going on. The first few days that everything was happening, I don't even think I like really read the news or knew what was going on. And it's when I actually got educated about it that I realized, hey, this is really serious and it's really devastating for the people who live in Ukraine. And it's it's very unsettling. So it's just important to stay updated and Look for ways that you can help. There are many supply drives that organizations are putting on as well as ways to just donate online to the people of Ukraine. 
And yeah, just staying updated about what's going on in the world and trying to help even from Raleigh, North Carolina. Yeah, I didn't know that was going on. I've seen some of like the drives and stuff and it definitely makes sense because it's got to be hard being in a whole different continent, watching all this happen, having family or having your family be from there. Yeah, I can't imagine. For my last tidbit, I am going to be shouting out WKNC's event coming up this weekend, the Double Barrel uh, Benefit. Um, actually, by the time this podcast is, or this segment <laughs> is coming out, it will probably be happening. So, like, if it's still happening as you're hearing this, join in tonight. They have tickets at the door. If this is early enough you can get tickets online um nevertheless if you are missing it you can always join in for wknc's future benefits and other events um you can always follow them on instagram and listen to wknc and just check in from every once in a while and see what they're up to because they do throw things like the double barrel benefit featuring indie local indie artists and I can assure it's going to be a great time. So check it out if it's early enough. And if not, see what happened and make plans for the next one. Yeah. Nice. Um, yeah, obviously, I agree. Support student media, especially if you love tuning in and hearing Abigail and I every week, then support WKNC because we're sitting in their studio. So, yeah. <laughs> Go student media. And I'll be there, maybe. Oh I got gosh. my tickets. Come meet Abigail if you've been wanting to put a face to the voice. This is your time. Face reveal. <laughs> maybe I'll just be like corpse. <laughs> You'll never see me. I'm not going there. <laughs> and my last tidbit is coming a few weeks in advance, but it's enough time to get you, you know, aware. But... J. Cole's Dreamville Festival is coming to Dorothea Dix Park from April 2nd and 3rd. And if you're unaware, J. Cole is a very prominent rapper who grew up in North Carolina. And so he puts on this Dreamville Festival where he brings other artists and everyone performs and it's a good time. So this is from the Visit Raleigh website. It says the Dreamville Festival's history goes back to the spring of 2018 when the first edition of the festival was scheduled and announced for September of that year. But then Hurricane Florence forced postponement to April of 2019. But it was a big old hit. A sold out crowd of around 40,000 people turned out to see performances by some A-list celebrities. And so obviously with the pandemic, um, doing a follow-up festival has been difficult, but after three years, after the first Dreamville, the festival is coming back, and tickets start at, it says two-day tickets start at $300 for both days, and there are also VIP packages available. So, you know, it's really up to you if you think that it's a festival that would be worth it to you. Um, it's really featuring a lot of hip-hop artists, so I know Abigail talked about the specific lineup in last week's episode, so 
you can go listen to that or you can just Google it. But see if it's something um, that you think would be worth your while. Yeah, actually, I didn't know that much about the history of the festival. And honestly, I didn't know too much about it before this year besides that like j cole runs dreamville i mean everybody kind of knows that but it was that's actually really interesting i never heard about the history of it so cool and yeah check it out that is it for all of our news tidbits about stuff that's happening in the triangle area we hope that you enjoyed if you did then keep on coming back for more we'll have another episode next week Actually, that's not true because spring break. So we will be there the week after. Abigail? That's all we have for you. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye. On tonight's episode, I, Grace Gidley, sit down with Louise and Ann Jordan, a mother-daughter team based in Raleigh. We'll be discussing their upcoming eco-friendly children's book, Sunny the Sideloader which will be published on March 30th and will be the first book in their Clean Machine series. Specifically, we'll be talking about their unique illustrations and the impact they hope the book will have on families and the environment. Louise and Ann Jordan, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. Thanks so much for having us. Great to be here. To start, can you tell us a little bit about the book? Uh, yeah, so Sunny the Sideloader is a children's picture book and it's an eco-friendly book. It's about a recycling truck and his friends, um, sort of like Thomas the Tank Engine, a group of talking trucks, except this has more of an environmental um, emphasis. So it's about a group of waste management trucks. You know, they have garbage trucks and compost truck. There's a street sweeper. And this book follows Sonny on his first day on the job. And um, he accidentally makes a huge mess. Well, we got the idea from this book. Anne was a nanny at the time out in L.A., and there was a little boy she met, <clears throat> nanny, that just loved garbage trucks, and she realized there weren't any books almost on the market, and so that's where the idea was born. You mentioned that Sunny the Sideloader is an eco-friendly book. Can you explain what this means and how it sets this book apart from other books on the market? Yeah, so the story itself is very eco-friendly. Um, it focuses, I mean, it's actually, it's not like the whole book is an educational book. It's really just a fun little story about the trucks, but there are themes sprinkled throughout, like as you follow the trucks, um, you know, they go to the different, like they go to the landfill and they go to the recycling center. So kids learn about waste in that way. And also um, the book itself is eco-friendly. Yeah, it's printed on 100% recycled paper with vegetable inks. And most people don't realize it, but even kids' books that don't look like plastic, the pages or the covers are laminated. And so it was important to us for the book to be printed in North America, but also not to be laminated and to be able to be composted or recycled. So that was a big deal to us. Yeah, because we didn't want to have a story that was all about how we can help the environment. But then at the end of the day, our book would have to go to a landfill and do harm to the earth. So um, yeah, so this book is completely recyclable or compostable, except you do have to remove a thread. If once the book reaches the end of its life, there is one synthetic thread 
which would have to be removed if you wanted to compost it. And, you know, ideally we would love to have the book just be completely compostable and you could just toss it in the compost. So that's definitely a goal for future books, but it's, you'd be really surprised how challenging it is to make an environmentally friendly product. I mean, it's, there's a lot of obstacles, um, but you know, it can be done. You wrote this book as a mother daughter team. What is it like working together? Oh, it was really, um, it was fun, but sometimes it was challenging. And we were very lucky that as we built 3D sets, so we used a one to 18 scale and we built cardboard houses and we used um, clay and cardboard and paint to make our sets and our sets are quite large. They took a lot of room, but we were lucky that Ann and I had ended up with different skills and I had more of the architectural and um, made a lot of the houses, but then she was better doing the doors and the windows and all the details. So, and the main thing is when one of us got discouraged, we never got discouraged at the same time. So that was great because we held each other up. So that was a real benefit. Yeah, that's definitely true. I agree with that. And when she said it could be challenging, she didn't mean we were arguing or anything like that. It was just challenging in the sense of we took on such a massive project. We didn't realize quite what we were getting into. Um, so yeah. So for the listeners, I'm, I think, I think this was clear, but basically instead of drawing the pictures, we built a whole town um, and then we photographed it. And then we took those images and we put them on the iPad and we used procreate and we added skies and speech bubbles um, stuff like that. So it was, it was a ton of work, but it was very fun. And the great thing is now we have this huge set and we can reuse it for all of our, you know, we can just reuse it. Yeah. The illustrations in Sunny the Sideloader are very unique. What made you choose this medium as opposed to drawing pictures? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think the first thing was we just, we did draw some trucks at first, but we realized it wasn't that fun for us drawing trucks um, and just having to draw those trucks at all those different angles. I, I kind of, I am, an, you know, I do draw, but I enjoy more like organic kind of shapes. And I was like, oh, I think this is going to drive me crazy if I have to draw, you know, eight trucks at all different angles. That was, that was part of our thinking, but also um, I'll let you speak to this mom, but she has always like enjoyed building little sets and things as a child. She did that and it just seemed fun. Yeah, so we just decided we would build the sets. And when I said it was challenging, the trees are a good example. We started out thinking, well, we'll just cut little bushes up and we'll use those for trees. And then we realized quickly that the leaves were dying. That wasn't going to work. Then we ended up cutting all the leaves out, stamping them out with a, I don't even know how to describe it. A leaf it. punch, like a, a little leaf punch. metal. Yeah, a yeah. leaf punch. And we, so we used real um, tree trunks. I mean, just little branches to make the tree trunks. And so Anne was better at doing the branches and I was better at doing the trunks. So we just quickly fell into the same thing we did for the whole book, that one of us would have one scale and one another. But I would say it took us months to build the... Um, trees once we just the realized. trees yeah <laughs> yeah just the trees yeah yeah it's been a very very big project what message would you like readers to take away from this book 
I think one of the main messages is that everyone makes mistakes and that's okay. And it's, it's just part of life. I mean, when Sonny comes to work, he's so excited and he is so excited. He kind of forgets to listen when he's given instructions. And so he goes around and he accidentally just trashes the town. He's like, you know, knocking over bins. And then when he realizes what he's done, he's really worried, you know, that his new friends aren't going to like him, but, um, it's fine. And they all come and help him and they work together. And so I think there's just a message in there that for kids, cause um, you know, we're all messing up all the time and it's really okay. And then of course there's the environmental message. Um, I think that's when the book started, I don't think we really even had that in our minds, but then as we progressed, that became more and more important to us and we became more passionate about it. And we have learned so much during this process. We've done so much research trying to figure out how different trucks operate and what they really do. And the more we learned, I and mean, we were just horrified by a lot of these facts we were learning about the environment. Um, and yeah, so, good e- yeah, go ahead. A good example of that is when we were researching the street sweeper, Starlight of the Street Sweeper, we realized how much of the plastic and the debris that's out in the roads goes to the rivers and goes out to the oceans. And our oceans are just being clogged with plastic. And we weren't really as aware of that as we should have been of all the plastic in the ocean. So as we researched each truck and we did reading and we tried to see where people were doing the best with this particular kind of truck, um, then we learned all these facts about the pollution in the world and the environment. And so it was really educational for us. Yeah. And like, um, there's a truck in there, there's a pink truck named Electra. And it used to be that she was just a recycling truck, but then we learned about electronic waste. And um, we learned basically it's the equivalent of a laptop is being thrown away every second, the equivalent of a laptop, like so much electronic waste. So we decided to make her an electronics recycler to increase awareness around that issue. Yeah. Hoping that people will recycle their um, electronic devices or even electronic appliances. And that if they can't be recycled, they would dispose of them properly because, um, yeah, but I of course it's... we we don't mean curbside. You can't you can't just toss a laptop in the recycling bin. <laughs> do you share any practical takeaways or eco friendly tips that young environmentalists can start to implement into their own lives? Um, yeah, I mean, there's so many things. I think um, compost is a really good thing that families can do together. If you're not up for backyard composting, I know here in this area, this is not an ad, but we use compost now. It's so convenient. It's, I mean, you do have to pay for it, but they just come to your door. Um, and it's so great, you know, and it actually, I think it's great for kids to see that their food gets broken down and then it helps plants grow. So that's one. We have a lot of activities um, and tips on our website, sunnythesideloader.com. That's S-U-N-N-Y, thesideloader.com. And um, there's a whole bunch of ideas for kids. But mom, did you have? Yeah, I was just going to say, I think some things can be fun. I know that my granddaughter's Why Guides group, that they all brought a favorite toy that they no longer were so in love with. And they talked about what had been so great about that toy for them. And then they donated those toys as a group. 
um, I think to the a rescue mission. So just getting kids aware of donating, um, not wasting food, carrying reusable bags, all those things. You mentioned earlier that the sets you use for the illustrations are reusable. Does this mean that there'll be more books in the Clean Machine series to come? Yes, yes. We're, all, yes we're already <laughs> working. We're already working on the next one, but it's hard for us because while we were doing this, we fell so in love with the trucks that we can't decide. I mean, should this, should this be mighty special time? Should it be star letters? Should it be electras? And so we keep changing our minds on which truck we want to highlight next. Yeah. But we do see it as, you know, a full series. We're going to give each truck their turn in the spotlight. And finally, do you have any author events coming up that you would like to let our listeners know about? Yes, we do. We have an event on April 2nd at Quail Ridge Books, and it's an outdoor event for people who are um, nervous about COVID, and we'll do a fun kids eco-friendly activity and read the book and um, sign the book. So that's at 1030 a.m. And yeah, we would love to see anybody there. And we're hoping that this little book will get whole families interested and being more eco-friendly. And as far as your audience for Earth Day, people can go clean up. They can, or even for other days, the beach cleanups, all kinds of things that we just want this to spark conversation, not just with two and three-year-olds, but with the families, just to make the families more aware of um, the things we can all do. Okay, Louise and Anne, thank you again for speaking with us today on Eye on the Triangle. Thank you. Thank you so much. More information on Louise and Anne Jordan and their upcoming book can be found at sunnythesideloader.com. This has been Grace Gidley for Eye on the Triangle. That does it for this episode. This has been Grace Gidley for WKNC Radio. Thank you for listening. You can listen to more episodes at wknc.org backslash podcasts, and you can also tune in every Sunday at 6 p.m. to hear new Eye on the Triangle episodes. (laughs) 